gentlemen, welcome to the Doctor Script Show, where we're talking about your favorite movies. What was good, what was bad, and how we can improve on things. We don't just talk about the problems, we give solutions to the problems. And joining me today, my lovely co-host, Dr. Sam. Taylor, I don't know. What's happening? What is happening, man? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, I'm glad this is the Dr. Script Show, because I could, in fact have a PhD on the film that we are talking about today. Oh, really? Which is... The Happening. Guys, if you don't know anything about The Happening and you've just joined in, man, are you in for a treat. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. It, it's something, man. I, You are you are very well versed in this movie, and this was the first time I've ever watched it. Yes. And, man, I... Did not know what I was getting myself into. I know the whole stories and the hype behind it, but after the first five minutes of this, I was just like, oh my god, this is going to be fun. (laughs) For those who don't know, The Happening is, uh, I think, the sixth or seventh movie by M. Night Shyamalan, the famous director of things such as The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Lady in the Water, The Last Airbender, (laughs) Will Smith's After Earth. So he's got an interesting track record of masterpieces and disaster pieces. Uh, yep. I am such a fan of this movie because, truth be told, Taylor, I, I don't know how to tell you this, this isn't my first podcast. Oh, what? You, I, what? I'm sorry, but there was a time in my youth when I hosted a podcast called What's Happening, in which once a week I would watch the movie The Happening and talk about it with my friends. Um, <laughs> it, it was a dark time in my life. When I only knew how to give myself pain, <laughs> I uh, I used to host a podcast called What's Happening. I'd start off with my friend Cameron and I would watch uh, The Happening once a week and talk about it. And then after a while, we brought guests in to talk about it some more. And then we, it used to have its own podcast called What's Happening, but we tried to transition to this bigger <laughs> network. So we've just made this company called Two Lemon, and uh, we put all we put the new season of What's Happening on the Two Lemon podcast, but. Uh, Alas, it's been about a year since our last episode. Do you know, how, how many episodes did you end up doing for What's Happening? Uh, f- season one was 13 or 14 episodes. Ooh. Uh, season two was about 10, I think. So we didn't, we didn't do a lot total, but... And there were certain times where we had watched the movie and then didn't end up podcasting about it. Oh. So, uh, so all told, I've seen it a minimum of 25 times, uh probably somewhere closer to 30 to 40 times I've seen this movie. Jeez, I'm checking right now. You have 13 for season one and nine for season two. Yeah. And But that doesn't count also a couple bonus episodes right. that I did where I where Cameron wasn't there for a week, so I did it by myself. Oh, which God, Which is called The right. Sam Alone. <laughs> and then there's Sam Alone 2, Lost in New York. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I... I have a very strong affinity for this movie for what it for what truly what it is and it's uh it's a disaster guys yeah so like do you like this movie after watching it 20 plus times do you hate it like what what, what's it about man so you know you know when like you've had your favorite food and then you realize you have leftovers of it and it's fine but like it's not as good and then someone suggests going to that restaurant the next day and it's like not as good anymore but then the next week you have it again, and suddenly it picks right back up. That's what it's like watching The Happening 25-plus times, where you watch it, and it's amazing, and then it's amazing again, and then it starts to hurt a little bit somewhere in like the upper single digits. 
but then it ramps right back up once you start season two of what's happening. It's it's a roller coaster ride. Yeah, we'll definitely make sure to link it to it in the description or in one of our you know Facebook Instagram groups if you guys want to check it out. It's a good time. I've I've listened to every episode. <laughs> it's, <Good. laughs> it's 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 a fun podcast. We don't do it anymore. Uh, but if you want to know what my life was like for about two years. Uh, Check that out. If you want to hear our old roommate, Daniel, uh, he's in one of the episodes. Yeah, and episode it's, four of season one, and that was, that was one of my favorites. Yeah? <laughs> what did he say about it? Uh, he equally had a great time with it, but was just like, it's awful. Like, Dan, Daniel's a great guy who who's a big uh, literature, like, poetry and high, like, high literature. And it was amazing showing him something terrible <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> Uh, so make sure to check that out afterwards. Like I said, we'll link out to it. Um, yes. And this will be like, you know, a little, uh, another makeup epi- extra episode for yeah. the What's Happening crew, I guess. We'll, 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 we'll try and do a little crossover episode, see if we can, maybe the 211 crew can come by sometime or can jump over there. I'm down. Uh, but I guess, without, should we t- say anything about it before we start, or should we just go straight into describing this Let's just, just trash. let's just summarize this bad boy. Let's see what's happening. Um, but for other view, newer viewers, if you do not want to listen to our summary, uh, take note that there are time codes in this. So just go down, see if you can scroll around or not. But, you know, stay. Why not? It's ha- the happening. This is going to be the biggest thing to make fun of. Some of our best jokes will be in this summary because, <laughs> trust me, it, it's, it's, it's a lot. Yes. Um, so, all right. That being said, Sam, how do we open this movie? Uh, we open this movie on clouds as the titles appear <laughs> so yeah it's literally two minutes of clouds like yes. to the point where i was like jesus how how much stock shot did they need of clouds to get this out uh, a, a lot but basically then we go to central park and we see some people having a great time they're living it up and then all of a sudden this girl <laughs> leans over to her friend while they're reading books side by side and she says I forgot where I am. The girl sitting next to her says, you were at the part where the criminals decide what to do with the crippled girl. Like she was... hmm, (laughs) So much to unpack in in a segment of this movie that doesn't matter. And so as she starts reading, uh, she's like, the one girl is like, oh, I remember now. And just grabs a... Well, the the girl that, that told her where she was in her book, like, she's like, I thought I heard screaming, and looks around the park, and everyone's just stopped moving. Everyone's just totally still. And then she sees, like, a couple people start walking backwards, and they're just dogs, like, trying to walk up with the balls, and no one's picking them up. And she's just looking around, and she's like, are these people clawing at their faces? But we don't see it happen. And then the girl next to her is like, what page was I on? <laughs> what what page and then her her hair tie like she has like little I guess like metal like chopstick kind of things in her hair to hold it in I don't know how women's fashion works uh and she pulls one of them out and just stabs herself in the neck with it yeah and it's just like her other friend stares at her blankly just like (laughs) yeah okay and and that's it that's how we start and and then we go to these construction workers. Behind uh, this one construction worker, we just see a person fall off a building straight into the straight into the ground. And then he just turns around and he's like, oh, "Davis!" And they run over and they look at him and they're like, "We need we need an ambulance!" And then all of a sudden, just more bodies start falling from the top of the building crashing to the ground in ways that don't make sense. Check that out. Figure out how the bodies move twenty feet away from the building. <laughs> but also. 
it's the best joke in the world because when you watch this movie and you see the shot of all the guys just walking off the building, just play It's Rain and Men on your phone. <laughs> nice. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, and from there, we do a hard... Uh, no, then one guy, the guy is like, what in God's name is happening? And as he says God, we smash cut to Mark Wahlberg teaching oh. some kids. Oh, man. And what is he teaching them about, Sam? Or what is he saying, I should say, not what is he teaching them? Hey, guys, have you heard about the honeybees vanishing? It's crazy. Where do you guys think the bees are going? Hey, what do you think? Global warming. Man, that's a great idea. <laughs> Ed Wahlberg is uh, a science teacher. Yes. And he teaches the kids science about bees. And basically, he's telling them that the bees are vanishing for a number of reasons. But then this one kid, Jake, doesn't want to answer the question. He's too cool for this. Mm-hmm. And he, that, But then he's like, come on, Jake. You got to answer the question. And Jake's like, what if it's a manifestation of nature that we'll just never fully understand. Jake, you just... I can't believe you read the Wikipedia summary for this movie. <laughs> She's like, I, I don't think we'll ever understand. And Mark Wahlberg's like, yeah, yeah, good job. That, that's a great idea, Jake. And then... Jake. What does he say to Jake before? Uh, um, before he's like, you know, Jake, you know, you may look pretty now, but every year you grow a little bit. A perfect nose now, one or two inches every year, is going to make you look pretty whack in a little little bit of time when you're an adult. And then Jake just grabs his nose, and he's (laughs) like, oh, no. Oh, nose. And then then Jake's like, how much does the human nose grow each year? And then Mark Wahlberg's like, it's fine. You're going to be a heartthrob your entire life. They're beautiful. I'm like, you're going to say that in front of other kids in your class? (laughs) Who the fuck are you? Come on, Mark Wahlberg. Um, uh, And then... Oh, is that one? Hold on. Oh. So, you guys can probably hear that there's airplanes going off right right now. So, I live in a place where there is no close airports or anything. And for the longest time, I was like, why the hell are there so many air, like, planes going by my place? And I found out there's a smaller airport only a couple miles away. And they're filming frickin' Top Gun right now. So if you're hearing planes go by, it's the Top Gun people, like, actors testing out or learning how to drive planes or ride planes. Which also means that if you're listening to this podcast, you're a part of Top Gun, too. Yeah, make sure you don't sign any. You can (laughs) sue now, you know? Exactly. Um, But... Let's get back to Philadelphia and Mark Wahlberg, the the one the Wonder Kid uh, science teacher. Uh, as he's you know joshing around with his students, uh, he gets he gets called in by the principal, and he's like, "Ooh, careful of the principal!" And the principal just like flips the lights on. Is like, "Mark, come here." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's like, "All right, don't don't burn down the room, kids. All right, all right." And they walk down the hallway, and Mark Wahlberg's notices that every teacher's out, and he's like. Yeah, all the teachers going out, man. All the, all the teachers, but they're all in the auditorium together. And then Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is the teacher in charge, and he's like, "There have been uh, attacks in New York City, in Central Park, and a bunch of other places. Uh, we're gonna have people dismissed from school and have everybody like go home and figure out what they're gonna do from there. Uh, take cover." And out of nowhere, Mark Wahlberg just says, "Central Park? That's kind of weird." <laughs> <laughs> hey Mark, no one, no one was talking to you. Uh, that's just a fun thing I like to bring up. Uh, 
Well, and it is one of those things where dialogue is just so thrown in there, like, hmm, another park? What? That's so weird. Like, but so we stopped talking about parks, like, 30 seconds ago, Mark. <laughs> that, that's more on the editor, really, or on Shyamalan telling the editor, put, put this line in here. Oh, um, God. But, yeah, and then Cameron from Paris Bueller's Day Off is gone, so bye, Cameron. Uh, and then we go back to the classroom where Mark Wahlberg is dismissing his students, and he's like, all right, guys, tell me the scientific method as you leave. And so they all start rehearsing the scientific method, and as they're walking out, Mark Wahlberg is like, wait, guys, and they all stop and turn, and he's like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And they walk out. And there is a long period for laughter, too. Like, there's a solid two or three seconds of just, like, nothing that well, you're supposed to be like, ha-ha. Well, it's supposed, to be that, it's supposed to be that thing, like, you know, at the end of movies where, like, you know, the person calls out to the other person who's about to go sacrifice themselves and is being like, I need to tell you that I love you and I care about you. Well, why is he doing that with his students, like, right now? <laughs> but the students leave, and um, Mark Wahlberg's best friend, the math teacher, John Leguizamo, shows up. Yes, and what does John Leguizamo have to say? You know, I'm telling my wife all these percentages, and, you know, people like to are comforted by percentages when you tell them that things are going to go right. Did I tell you I'm a math teacher? People like percentages. Yes, and every, it makes people feel so much comfortable. Um, hey, is your wife cheating on you? Yep. Like, not that he doesn't say it that blatantly, but he might as well have. It's the two of them are just walking out of school and following, and then Mark Wahlberg is like, uh, Alma, his wife, who's played by Zoe Deschanel, is like, all right, Alma and I will meet you at the train station. And John Leguizamo just stops him and is like, I think your wife isn't in love with you. This is not the time for this, John. <laughs> They've got real character names, but I like calling them by their actor names better. Yeah, we'll just stick with the name, the actor names. Yeah. And Mark Wahlberg's just like, no, man, she would never do anything like that. She loves me, and, and I love her. And, you know, without missing a beat, smash cut to Zoe Deschanel in the most awkward close-up you've ever seen in your life, where she's just, like, mouth, like, half open, just staring at the TV. She looks like a mannequin. Like, and there's other people that pointed that out, but, like, in the whole movie, her eyes just look so glossy and dead. Like, it's really creepy. <laughs> I thought she was going to kill people at times. But she's watching, like, a news report where they're saying that they think it's, like, a gas leak or something that's making or people kill themselves. Or a terrorist attack. And they're like, this gas leak is affecting people's neurological centers to make them feel like they need to kill themselves. And then, uh, but then she, on her cell phone, she's getting a call. Ring, 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 ring. From someone named Joey, but she hangs it up and puts it down. And we just sit there and watch her watch her phone ring for a solid 12 seconds. I've counted this every time. <laughs> so does she answer this time? No, she doesn't answer that. Okay. She just watches it ring. Uh, and as it finishes ringing, Mark Wahlberg comes home. And Zoe Deschanel and him like talk about it for a second. And they're like, they think it's a, they think it's a gas leak. And then she's like, oh. What other evil things do you think the world could invent? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, God. Guys, we're only about five-ish minutes in I know. Wow. Uh, <laughs> we so, got to talk about all of it, though, man. Uh, we do. Uh, Mark Wahlberg goes and packs up his stuff uh, and packs up their things, looks at a wedding photo, and is like, man, weren't we happy a while ago? And then he picks up this mood ring uh, that we're going to get a little history about later, but he puts it on, and the two of them leave. And they go to the train station where uh, they meet up with John Leguizamo. And he has his kid with him this time. What, do you remember the kid's name? The kid, uh, Jess. Jess, That's okay. who it is. Which is weird because it's Zoe Deschanel and there's a kid oh, named Jess. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's, how, new that's how I'm going to remember it now. So John Leguizamo is the, uh, at the train station with his kid, Jess. 
and they're just talking and everything. Zoe De Chanel walks well, away. So yeah, so she uh, Zoe De Chanel's in the bathroom, and Mark Wahlberg and John Leguizamo again have another talk about how he doesn't think that she's right for him. And just in a weird move, the camera like pans from them having this conversation over to Zoe De Chanel just standing there. Oh god! And, it's like, and she's like. Hey, 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 John Leguizamo. And then he's just standing there. He's like, I got the tickets. They were hard to get, you know, like cabbage patches in the 80s. And then they're just staring at each other awkwardly. And then he's like, I'm really glad you showed up for once. (laughs) Not exactly like that. Basically. Yeah, basically. And so then they quickly talk about how John Lakazama's wife is, like, coming on the next train or something. She had to grab something from somewhere. Yeah, she was, like, she was out shopping or, like, something, and she, she couldn't she couldn't get out because there was traffic, so she'll get the next train. Um, and then, uh, again, for some reason, Zoe Deschanel just decides to go sit on the train by herself. Yeah, well, I think, doesn't she get the Yeah, she gets, gets the call from Joey as they're leaving, and it's just a quick voice on the phone. She pick, opens it and says, hello, and then closes it back up. You hear jo- Joey say hello, and fun fact, that is M. Night Shyamalan came- cameoing in his little film. M. Night Shyamalan is in all of his movies. Yes. And he made himself Joey. Yeah, he's like, you know, yeah, I definitely would be the guy that would try and, like, you know, have an affair with a woman. Yeah, but then uh, all of them get on the train. Mark Wahlberg and John Leguizamo and Jess are all, like, sitting at the front, and they're like, man, we don't know what's happening. And then we are on uh, Zoe Deschanel, and she's on the phone with Joey. And uh, you ever hear of uh, exposition talk? You ever just have, you know that one-sided phone call where the person just kind of repeats back what's happening? Uh-huh. Here's, here's a, just a little, a little taste of what happens. Okay. Joey, we can't do this anymore. We got dessert together one time. It was just tiramisu. Wait, what do you mean? The train lines? It's happening all over? What do you mean? The entire city's been evacuated? <laughs> Woo! Good uh, job. Yeah. So that's how we learned that Zoe Deschanel didn't even really cheat on her husband. <laughs> she got, like, one awkward date and had dessert with a dude, and then she finds out that, like, all of the city's been evacuated and been shut down. Uh, and then I think at that point we cut back into Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and we go to Rittenhouse Square Park, a bunch of traffic, and this taxi cab guy is like, hey, Mr. Cop, how's it going? And he's like, oh, it's a little chilly today, Sal, isn't it? And then they all stop what they're doing. They all get, like, stone cold and just stare off. And then the cop goes, like, two feet up. You see him unhook his, like, gun from his holt. And you hear a, done! Body hits the ground. It's another, like, comedic beat. Taxi driver's door (laughs) opens. You see Fico over. Grabs the gun. Bow! Another body. And then the gun hits the ground. And then just a woman, like, drops her keys and... Like, she walks towards the gun at the same time as Sal's, like, blood from his head is, like, (laughs) moving on the ground towards the gun as well, and she picks up the gun. And an amazing filmmaking technique, as she fires the gun, the train horn goes off at the same time, and we transition back to the train. Wow. Unseamless, man. Like, I had no idea. That was such a great cut and sound. Oh, perfect, perfect. Mm. And so now they are in the train, and it just stops, right? Yeah, it's uh, Mark Wahlberg's gone back to see Zoe Deschanel, because they're like, we don't know what's happening, and the train just stops. Uh, (laughs) Fuck me. Uh, The train stops. 
and so they're trying to figure it out. And Mark Wahlberg goes up to the conductors and is like, what? what's going on, guys? What's what's happening? And, <laughs> and the, the conductor's just like, sorry, we had to stop. All trains stopped their service. And then Mark Wahlberg out of nowhere just gets really mad. And he's like, what do you mean everything stopped? Why are you giving me one piece of useless information at a time? And then I'm just like, Jesus, you've had one sentence with this to with this conductor just hold on man oh god and so now they all go into like this diner breakfast thing it's like a diner that's attached to the train station because like all of them are trying to figure out what's going on the uh letting the tvs play everybody's getting some food and so mark Wahlberg sits down to john winkazamo's linkazamo's uh daughter jess and they talk about this mood ring and he like has a mood ring and then she's looking at him he's like did you know that this ring can read your emotions well, let's put it on you. See what happens. Oh, that's yellow. That means you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. It might be now. It could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a year. But I guarantee you, you're going to laugh. It's a really awkward moment that's like supposed to be like, oh, look at Mark Wahlberg. He's so great with kids, right? But it's really weird. Yeah, it is really weird. And then he finally gets the little girl to laugh. <laughs> oh, and not not three seconds after she's done laughing that this woman just yells, Oh, my God, my cousin just sent me this from the Philadelphia Zoo. And she just, like, hands the phone over to Mark Wahlberg and pushes play. And at the Philadelphia Zoo, <laughs> this guy just walks into the tiger exhibit and his arms just get ripped off. Well, he, like, puts it in the tiger's mouth, or the lion's mouth, basically. Like, huh, you won't, you won't. And, you know, good on the lions for, you know, not taking the bait so early. Yeah, but at that point, that he's just like, I can't resist. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, exactly. You're teasing him too much. And so he just rips off the uh, zookeeper's arm and just is sort of standing there being like, ah. And then the woman's just like, my God, what kind of terrorists are these? <laughs> and I'm like, man, those are tigers, not terrorists. And yeah, so that happens. And then the power goes out at the restaurant and they're all like, what's happening? Ah. But then someone finds out that, that the it's, it seems like about like 90 miles or so outside of uh, Pennsylvania. It's, it's not happening. It's not ah. happening. So then everyone rushes to cars and tries to drive off. And Mark Wahlberg and his crew of people are trying to, like, get into someone's car because they don't have their own. And they're like, man, we can't get with anybody. And uh, then all the cars are gone at this point. But then John Leguizamo runs up and is like, hey, guys, I found this car. And they're going to Princeton. And, like, why do you want to go to Princeton? And John Leguizamo is like... That's where uh, that's where my wife's train got got derailed. Uh, should we? I need to go find her. But take my daughter. And I'm like, what? And for one, you know, sorry, man, your wife probably is not going to make it. Why are you pawning off your daughter to mm-hmm. someone else and trying to go save this woman that's most likely dead? You're orphaning your kid, and you know, this is what M Night should have done. He should have just had like shown like made established that John Linkuzelo didn't like his kid, and he's like, "All right, yeah, I'm going over here." And then we see him just get a flight to Hawaii. Or something. <laughs> he's like, "Oh no, I died." Oh no, I'm dead now. That's the twist. But yeah, so basically that happens, and then so Chanel reaches out her hand to take Jess's, and then he gets in her face and is like, "Don't you take my daughter's hand unless you mean it." And I'm like, back off, dude. She just had tiramisu with one dude. Yeah, God. Ugh. Tiramisu. No, More like a terrible mistake. Uh, <laughs> Damn. But, Shut uh, down. But so John Leguizamo gets in the car with the strangers, and they drive off to the town of Princeton. And uh, as they're driving, they notice, whoops, 
everybody's dead in Princeton. No way. What a and, twist. And they're like, I guess we got to like turn around. But all of a sudden you hear the whooshing of the wind and you look up and the Jeep that they're driving has a little cut in the roof. Uh-oh. The air's going to get in the car. Yes. And so John Leguizamo, this one girl in the back is freaking out. And John Leguizamo's like, all right, if I gave you, what was it, a penny or a quarter? It's, he, this is one of the top three moments of the film, is everyone's freaking out because you see the, there's like these like, this very organized group of people who hung themselves from trees like with garden hoses and stuff. If it wasn't gross, it'd be a very artistic painting. Uh, <laughs> and this one girl's just screaming in the back, and John Leguizamo's like, do you want to hear a math riddle? And she, as the audience does as well, just yells, what? And he's like, if I gave you a penny on the first day, and then I doubled and gave you two pennies on the second day, and then four pennies on the third day, and just kept doubling it, how, how much money would you have by, by the end of a month? I think it's by the end of the month, right? Yeah, I think so. And then she's like, $10? No, uh, $20? And he's like, $30, that's how much it is. Really? I thought it was like $10 million. No, and then, and then, then he goes, but after, after they realize that there's no hope, that they're just going to die, he just looks at her and he's like, $10 million. You'd have $10 million by the end of the month. And then, boom, they hit a tree. <laughs> the driver just smashed. It's not even just a smash. The car stops, and then you just watch it for a second do nothing. And he just guns it and hits a tree. But it's not over yet. The bodies fly over. But All right, so what happens, Sam? I love this movie so much. <laughs> the, all, the, all the bodies, except for John Leguizamo, fly out the car. But John Leguizamo gets out of the car. And picks up a piece of broken glass and just crosses his legs and just sits down on the road and uh, just starts cutting himself. Um, and they put like really intense music. It's like it's it's you know it's it's a sad thing objectively, but the way that they do it, it's so funny. But anyways, after John Leguizamo was done doing the deed, uh, we cut back to uh, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel, who's gotten in the car with this kind of, like, bearded dude and, like, kind of like his hippie wife. And they get... They drive back to their house, which has, like, a nice green greenery. Yes. Like, they're kind of like pot growers, but, like, for other plants, too. Yeah. They're um, very useful. And they're just kind of wandering around the, the nursery, touching all the plants. And the guy comes in, the the man comes in, and he's like, Hey, did you know that uh, that plants can talk to each other? And I was like, oh, really? Okay, cool, good to know. I wonder what the twist of this movie's going to be. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, plants can talk to each other, and sometimes they actually deform defense mechanisms against invasive species. By the way, do you guys like hot dogs? <laughs> and they're like, no, we don't want any hot dogs. And he's like, you know, hot dogs get a bad rap, but hot dogs are pretty good. Anyway, so there's these plants. <laughs> we got to talk about this hot dog more. Come on. like So... It's a character named Hot Dog Man. <laughs> Credited as Hot Dog Man. <laughs> I don't know. What do, what do you think of Hot Dog Man? What a gem. What a gem. Like Gem of a guy. We are going through a lot of these scenes, just like not even giving half the service that it actually deserves. But well, if we gave it, everything, we would be here for hours. <laughs> longer than the actual movie. And so Hot Dog Man, you know, he's in great shape. <laughs> the hot dogs, you know, are great shape. Good. Uh, what does it say? Good shape. It's, yeah, or, it's like, uh, they like have a good shape. They like a good source of protein or something like that. And it's like 
uh, you know, you like hot, you like hot dogs? Like, just looks at Zoe Deschanel. She just smiles and just shakes her head. She's like, no. No. It's like, well, you're a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they talk more about the plants and, like, how they can talk to each other. And then his wife comes in. And then he turns around and is like, oh, you got the mustard? And she's like, well, just holds up the cooler. God. And so he also does mention that he's like, he thinks that it's the plants and that they're doing it all, like, undeniably. Like, it's plants. Yeah. So, again. He says it like it's a, it's a fact. And now they go back into a car and they uh, go into this one road and they see something in the distance and Zoe Deschanel is like, what, what is that? Are those animals? And then Mark Wahlberg is sort of like, mm, I don't know if they're animals. And then Zoe Deschanel just starts freaking out and Jess, the little girl, is like still trying to piece it together. And I'm like, Zoe Deschanel, don't freak out the little yeah. girl. But then the wife in the car is like, hey, uh, I think his name's Frank. It's like, Frank, do you want to grab the binoculars from the back of the car from when we were spying on our neighbors? <laughs> and I'm like, you're just going to throw that out there? <laughs> and they take the binoculars, and sure enough, dead people down the street. So they get climbed back in the car, and they start driving away, and they get to this fork in the road where, like, a military, like, a super-armored military vehicle just pulls up, and they're like, it's the army, we're safe! And the scrawniest-looking dude just runs out of the army vehicle and's like, guys, you can't go that way. I'm, I'm from the army base over there, and there's people, they're, they're in the barbed wire! <laughs> and, and, and then the, the guys in the car, the husband and wife, are like, we saw people, like, ten miles back, and there's all dead on the road. And then he takes a beat, and then he says the most immortal phrase you can say, cheese and crackers, <laughs> which is what obviously you would say if you saw a bunch of dead bodies. I think we got to make that a new stable to show. Whenever something intense happens, we got to go, cheese, cheese and, and crackers. <laughs> oh, my God. And then they see from two other roads more cars pulling up, and then they go tell them the match of the news, and then those cars are like, hey, there are dead people our way, too. So at some point, there's this big caravan of people kind of, like, at this intersection. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's like, you know, I saw, like, 20 to 30 people sit, standing there. Uh, they're trying to figure out what to do. And uh, Mark Wahlberg's kind of making a plan with the army guy. And Hot Dog Man runs over and is like, hey, you said your friend was going to Princeton, right? Well, this woman's on the phone with her daughter, who's also in Princeton. Uh-oh. And they run over there. And she's, the woman's talking to her daughter on the phone. She's like, Stacy, Stacy, can you hear me? Uh, what's going on over there? And then Mark Wahlberg's just like, what's, can you tell me what's going on? And she's like, sure, stranger. It's like, well, can you see what's going on outside? And she's like, everyone's dead outside. And then he's like, uh, and then she is like, okay, go to the window by the tree. And then Mark Wahlberg thinks about it again. He's like, wait a minute, plants? Then he steals the phone from her. It's like, don't go by the window by the, with the window by the trees. Don't do it. You can't do it. And she's then the wife, the mob's like, D- don't don't go over there. But it's too late. Uh oh. Because she puts the phone on speaker, and the girl just yells into the phone. She's like, I can see in calculus. Calculus. Oh, and God. then you just hear a big glass crash and some wind just rushing in, and the woman's just like, Stacy, Stacy. Stacy's mom's <laughs> yeah. got it going on. She's got it going on. She doesn't have much going on anymore. Rut row. Cheese and crackers. <laughs> but basically, with that information, they realize that everyone at Princeton's dead. Mark Wahlberg takes that and just sulks over to the grass and starts crying. And Jess, 
whose father was just in Princeton, doesn't have an emotional reaction like you'd expect. She goes over to Mark Wahlberg and comforts him, this eight-year-old girl whose father is most likely dead, is going to comfort this grown-ass 40-year-old man. Oh, man. Then at some point, there's, like, a guy who kind of knows the area who's in this little caravan, and he's like, all right, we should, uh, we need to move in groups. Everyone who's got everything that they have right now should leave now and go, uh, you know, this way, and then everyone who still needs to gather supplies, stay here. Grab your stuff, and we'll go later. Don't they talk about how they have to be in big groups? Like, oh, we need to stay together. And then the next scene, (laughs) they're in different groups, and Mark Wahlberg goes, hey, do you think we should have stayed in that big group like we talked about? And I'm like, what What are you doing? Yeah. And so now they're walking in two separate groups. And uh, Hot Dog Man and his wife are in, like, a big group with uh, Cheese and Crackers Army Man. Yes. And... Uh, at some point, two of the people start arguing with each other, and they're like, man, i got to lead this group. I know where I'm going. And then all of a sudden, everything stops. Uh-oh. And Cheese and Crackers guy, <laughs> he's my favorite character. <laughs> and he just turns, at, or no, then the, the hot dog man just kind of yells out. It's like, Private Oster, is everything okay? And he just turns, and he just yells, my firearm is my friend. It will not leave my side. And he's like, then he says it'll get a little quieter. My firearm is my friend. And guess, guess what he does? Pulls out his firearm. And we don't see anything. But we cut to Mark Wahlberg and his group. They hear gunshots in the distance. It's like... And they're like, what are we doing? We, we were supposed to be in a big group. I thought we were safe that way. How'd the terrorists get us out here? And then Mark Wahlberg just yells at everybody, everybody shut up and give me some time to think. And then everyone just crowds around and are like, Mark, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 need, I need to make a hypothesis. And, and then he states the scientific method out loud. Sure. And, and, and as this all is happening, we're in the background, we're hearing just like, pew, 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 bruh, bruh, da, da, like Guns don't have that much ammo. Well, it's not all like continuous. It's like yeah. one boom, another boom. And they're like, they're killing each other, Mark. They and, got something. And then he just yells out, what if it's the plants? And they're like, huh? And he's like, what if it's the plants? What if they're attacking us in big groups because they you know, don't like that we're in big groups? What if we separate into smaller groups and everything's better? And I get you're a science teacher, but how did you come up with that theory? <laughs> like, how? And so everyone just is like, yeah, that's totally it, and just takes off in separate uh, groups. And no, no, run- it's not just that. It's another great part is that they just hear wind blowing in the distance, and they all turn. And as if it's like a villain shot, you see wind billowing <laughs> yeah. through, the, through the grass, and they just yell, everybody run. Like, have you ever seen The Day After Tomorrow where they run away from, like, the freezing like earth yeah that's exactly what happens but they're running away from the wind oh god and it doesn't look cool it's just like are you seriously running away from wind right now and it's just they split up into like three or four groups and the worst part is people are running with their luggage (laughs) there's like one person with a suitcase and a full backpack like oh we gotta make sure we survive and i'm like yo ditch that shit yeah it's and then but then at some point the wind catches up with them and they just kind of stand there and they realize it was good. We separated into smaller groups and we're alive. So the wind didn't kill them this time. Not yet. But uh, Mark Wahlberg is there with uh, Zoe Deschanel, Jess, and these two these two new kids. Um, Abigail Breslin's younger brother. I don't remember what his character's name is. Okay. Uh, and another kid. 
Okay, we'll just go with it. Yep. Uh, don't worry, they're not important. Nope. But they're they're around for a little bit. So they uh, they start walking, and they get to kind of like this farmhouse area, and they uh, Mark Wahlberg gets into like a truck, and then he's just like, "Hey, I think we should go in that house," and then they go to the to the house, and it's like uh, like a model home, so it's a big and spacious. It's so weird that they chose a model home because it's literally everything's fake there. I thought a nuclear bomb was about to go off or something. Like, that's how, like, you know, weird it looks. And they don't... <laughs> it, I, I'm sure it's supposed to mean something. Right. It, no, it's like, you know, um, the natural thing of events. Like, there is no reason, Sam. It, it's, <laughs> but, yeah, so they go to the... Oh, shit. <laughs> this is when it happens. They go to the house and they're trying to figure out where to go. Uh, next, because they don't have like a plan, so they pull out a map, and uh, someone earlier had said you should go to Arendelle. Yes, uh, they're going like, to the Lord of the Rings. They're going to uh, the hang out the elves. I was gonna say they're gonna go to Frozen. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's some like town that's like Arendelle that like hasn't been hit yet. They're like, okay, we should go there, and then Zoe Deschanel's like, all right, we're gonna take Jess to go to the bathroom, gonna try and stock up on some food and supplies, and Mark Wahlberg's like, great. And he's left alone in this room. At this point, then, he also has just talked to Zoe Deschanel about how he theorizes that it actually is the plants. Like, he's, like, very convinced after what Hot Dog Man said and, like, everything that the people in the news have been saying that he thinks that the plants are releasing this, like, neurotoxin that is, like, fighting back against people because of global warming and stuff. Right. He's very convinced of that, and that's what he thinks it is. And Zoe Deschanel's like, I'm not sure. And so after they leave for Jess to go to the bathroom... He, like, sees the plant, and he walks up, and he's like, okay, hey, hey, we're, we're just only here for the bathroom, okay? No harm, no harm or anything. He slowly walks up to it. He's like, we, we're only going to be here for a minute or two. And, and it's 30 seconds of him talking to this plant. There's a potted plant just in the room, and it's just like, hey, guy, don't worry. I'm going to use a calm, soothing voice to tell you everything about everything. My, my name's Mark Wahlberg. Maybe you know my brother, Donnie. Maybe you know my music as Marky Mark and the Boys. <laughs> and so then he finally goes up to him and he's like, oh, it's plastic. I talk to a pa- plastic plant. I'm still doing it. <laughs> oh, my God. That was great. That, uh, that That's the one moment that I think is the pure mixture of self-awareness and absolute ridiculous, like not fully knowing how ridiculous the premise has been up to this point. You're right. Because that's, that's clearly a joke. He was making, trying, and my Shyamalan was trying to make a joke in that moment where he's talking to a plant. Oh, God. But when you compare it to everything else in the movie, it feels real. Right. It feels like that's what the reality of what Mark Wahlberg was doing, like, it feels like. Oh, man. But yeah, so they go through the model home, and Mark Wahlberg has a talk with uh, Abigail Breslin's younger brother. Oh, oh the character names are Josh and Jared. Do you know which one is which? Uh, I think Josh is, uh, is the Abigail Breslin's younger brother, and Jared's the other guy. Because I remember later on, uh, Mark Wahlberg yells Jared at one of the kids, and I know which one it is. So Josh, uh, he talks to Josh kind of about, like, what's happening, happening, and uh, he's, like, kind of scared, and he's like, you know, certain things happened before where there was, uh, you know, some, some algae that took over in Australia, and then all of a sudden one day, it just disappeared. It just decided it wasn't going to attack anymore. And I'm like, okay. Why'd you tell the story? Yeah. And then he just thinks to himself while holding this fake glass of wine, because it's still a model home, it's like, I wonder if this has anything to do with the bees being missing. Oh, man. Oh, man. And then they leave the house, 
But as they're leaving, they notice two other groups are approaching the house. And well, they're like, are booking it. They're like, no, we can't be in the same group, blah, blah, blah. And so now they're at a distance now. And the two groups are meeting up at the one house. And yes, they just stop. And fr- from a distance, Mark Wahlberg and his group are just watching. And they see the rest of them just standing there. And one guy walks over to this giant lawnmower, turns it on, and just lies on the ground. <laughs> and allow, it, <laughs> he j- it runns over him, and it's just like a little like... It's like a speed bump, but then it just like chops him up. All over the place. Like it spits him out like chunks and stuff. And everyone's just watching this in horror. But it's really funny. <laughs> like, well, because also like the the lawnmower, like he the guy lies down not in front of the lawnmower. He lies down next to the lawnmower, which means the lawnmower like has to have like the wheel turned so perfectly as to run him over. And also the way that it's shot, like everything's like super crystal clear for the most part. But these shots are really grainy, mm-hmm. which means they shot this in a wide shot, like in the wide shot that we see in the beginning, and they never got close up coverage which means they just cropped in and zoomed in on this shot because it's so pixelated. For people who haven't seen this, you need to go back and like make sure you watch because like it's a very clear difference in quality. Okay. Which means that it, they just cropped in and just hoped nobody would notice. This but is like, someone did. His name is Dr. Sam. That's me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so then after they watch these people get run over by a lawnmower, uh, they run away. Um, and they just, you know, keep going. And at some point, Josh and Jared start talking to Mark Wahlberg about like, hey, what's it what's it like to have, you know, your wife and kid with you? And he's like, oh, it's not my actual kid. And he's like, oh, then one of them's like, hey, cool ring. It's like, do you want to look at it? It's like, cool. It's like, oh, what's uh, why don't you have kids? Is uh, something not working down there? Oh, God. And these are like. 13 to 14 year olds yeah. too they're not like you know oh yeah us 20 year olds like bro nice what nice ring dude but also no. like it's also possibly the end of the world and they're just having this casual like somewhat funny conversation <laughs> come on guys um and then <laughs> like they're playing with the ring and then he grabs it back and he's like hey you can't play with it it's not a toy that has sentimental value to me oh god I can't I can't I can't <laughs> I can't <laughs> um and they keep walking for a little bit, and at some point they get to another farmhouse, and they're going to go there because they think it's abandoned. They think there's no supplies. Um, but uh, Jared notices that there's actually someone wandering around inside, and they, like, knock on the door, and they're like, hey, could you let us in? We've got, like, a little girl with us. We need we need some food. And they're like, we're not going to let you in. You're going to let the gas in here. I'm going to get the terrorist in, too. And so... But also, if it's a gas attack, their house is made of wood, and there's wood shutters that don't close all the way. Right. Separate thing altogether. Yeah, you know. Eh, and at some point, Mark Wahlberg's like, okay, fine, we're not going to bother you anymore. But Josh kicks the door, and he's like, hey, open the door, bitch. And I'm just like, Josh, what are you doing? And so what happens next, Sam? Um, well, Jared yells at them. He's like, show your faces. We- and they're like, we're not going to let you in with the gas. And Mark Wahlberg's just like, guys, stop doing that. And uh, the guy opens the door, puts out a shotgun, and shoots Josh, this 13-year-old kid, just straight in the stomach with a shotgun. Ooh, what you said. But you know then, what I really was like when I saw that happening? What? I was like, oh, cheese and crackers. 
<laughs> but then at the same at the same time, Jared just likes like watching in horror, and he doesn't notice that another gun is coming out the window shutter, pointing at him. And Mark Wahlberg sees it, and he just yells, "Jared!" And just as the flash flashbang hits this other ch- child in the head, and like, and you get to see a shot from underneath, and his head is like from the back of his head is ripped open. It's you can see his brain chunks everywhere. This movie it's, has not earned the right to kill children. No. God, no. And But then they're all, like, screaming and yelling at each other, and at some point, Jess runs away, and, like, all of them, uh... All of them just, like, run, and they, like, get in a huddle together, and they hug. And I think at this point, we, like, cut to the rest of the country, and we see different, like, news stations, like, reporting, like, we don't know what's happening. Happening. <laughs> and, uh... They're, like, reporting on, like, more suicides and, like, throughout the country. And, like, people are gathering. There's, like, a family in Jacksonville that's, like, cowering in a bathtub. And there are these two old ladies with gas masks on. And then in, like, in like Missouri or something, these buff biker dudes start loading up some guns. Yeah. What the fuck was that? And just so you guys know, none of this ever returns in the movie. We never see this family in the bathtub. We never see these old ladies. And we never see this, like... Like sons of anarchy, it's like gonna happen. Um, but also, fun fact: the guy who's on the TV, who is reporting on this, it's our our friend Ian. It's his father. Yeah, just a fun little thing. We know our friend Ian. Uh, he's got a family. His family is uh, in the acting business, and I didn't know this until like the sixth or seventh time I watched, and I went through the credits. It's Ed, Ed, Ed Highland, and I've met Ed, and I really like him. Yeah, Ed's a great guy. We, uh, I know you tried to talk. Did you ever talk to him about this? I, tr- I did talk to him about it, and I wanted to interview him for our happen our What's Happening podcast, but it just never worked out. I the time where at times where Ed was in town, he was dealing with some family stuff, so I didn't want to mm. like bother with that kind of thing. Okay, but like. I got to talk to him, and it sounds like he had a really good time making really? this movie. Can like, you go into detail? Like, give us the blow-by-blow? Blow? Not specifically, because he only worked on set for one day. Because hmm. he was just a, a guy at an, in, in a news conference. Yeah, that's true. So he... Uh, but yeah, it's not, it, that's kind of like Ed's thing. Like, he does that. But also, catch Ed Highland as Dumbledore on Broadway in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yeah, woo! All of our Harry Potter fans out there, what, what? Just, just plugging that. Yep. Um... Hi, Ed. I hope you're listening. <laughs> yeah, hi, Ed. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that happens, and then we cut back to Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel, and Jess wandering, and they've come to uh, this farmhouse in Arendelle. They've made it, um, and it just looks like it's completely abandoned. No power lines are going to it, no car tracks, no nothing. And they walk up to the house, and it looks abandoned, and Mark Wahlberg kind of like walks by, and a voice in the distance says, uh, was like, what are you doing on my property? And he turns, and it's this old lady. And she looks a little tweaked out, to say the least. She's uh, interesting. She seems like she's seen better days. Yep. She's waiting for her dog to come back, I believe, right? Yeah, it's it's something where, like, you're ringing the bell, like, you ring a bell, and the dog's supposed to come back, but it hasn't come back. Uh Uh-oh. And then Mark Wahlberg's just kind of standing there because he doesn't know what to say, and then she's holding lemonade, and she's like, why are you eyeing my lemon drink? And I'm like, he wasn't eyeing your lemon drink. You're just saying some weird stuff right now. And then she just stands up and is like, I suppose I have to let you in the house and feed you dinner. You don't have to do anything. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, Mark Wahlberg's just like, yeah, great. This is a great author. I would love to stay at your place. And then uh, the, the three of them get in the house and along with... Uh, Mrs. Jones. Uh, Mrs. Jones. Thank you. Uh, 
and they all have dinner together. They're actually having a good time. Uh, they uh, so, and then she just have a normal conversation. They're like, "How do you know what's happening in the outside world?" She's like, "Oh, I don't know anything. It's just me and my plants. Uh, I grow my own things." Triggered plants. Plants, and then just out of nowhere, she just says to them, "So." Uh, Who's chasing who? And then Mark Wahlberg just kind of like raises his hand. He's like, I knew it. In, a, in every relationship, someone's chasing someone. That's a horrible philosophy to have. <laughs> but then Jess reaches for a cookie and Mrs. Jones just slaps her hand. It's like, don't take things that aren't yours. And then there's a, another comedic beat where you're supposed to like, it's supposed to be uncomfortable, but it definitely is like laughable at this point. It, at, at, yes. not, at, not at this point. The whole point of this movie has just been laughable. At no point did we take this seriously. And so now... Oh, wow. Wait, we actually missed a huge yeah, part of this movie. I was about to say. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> at, at some point with Josh and Jared, uh, Zoe Deschanel comes clean about her tiramisu infidelity to Mark Wahlberg. And so she is now talk. She tells Mark Wahlberg about it, and he's like, "What? You you lied to me?" Which she never had said anything about lying. No, she, just, she went on a date with a dude, and like you know, and they they had had marital troubles before. Like we kind of, like we didn't talk about it too much, but they had been having troubles. Yeah, and they had talked about that. And at some point, like afterwards, like they've been in a little bit of a fight, and things have been tense with them. And before they go up to the house that kills Josh and Jared. Uh, Mark Wahlberg tells this story and he's like, I just want you to know something. That one time I went to the pharmacy and there was a very good looking pharmacist behind the counter and I almost bought this cough syrup just so I could talk to her. That's like six bucks I could have spent on nothing. And then Zoe Deschanel just looks at him and she's like, really? And then he just looks at her and shakes his head and then she goes, thank you. I didn't even have a cough. I'm like, what? <laughs> what was the point of the story? Oh, man. Again, we, we can't give it justice. You guys really just need to sit it's, down and watch this. It truly is a thing you have to see to believe. Because it's, it's like The Room. It's, it's like The Last Airbender. It's like so many movies. And... Oh, it's great. It's so great. now they have that whole tension resolved, you know. It doesn't matter that someone might have tried to cheat on someone or someone was looking at another person. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's all good. Yeah. Thank, thank you for happening yeah. for setting this up for us. <laughs> but, they, uh, but they're still, like, a little bit tense because they're still not sure if they're in love. But at least, like, the infidelity part has, like, been taken care of. And late at night, um, when they're going to bed in Mrs. Jones' house, they kind of have a discussion where they're like, we don't know what we're going to do. And she's like, I, you know, I'm not sure, but I, I still want to try and make things work. And then uh, uh, all of a sudden they hear uh, the floorboards creak. And Mark Wahlberg walks down to where the stairs are and he sees Mrs. Jones in the stairwell. And she's like, I hear you whispering. Are you planning on stealing something? And he's like, no, we're, no, ma'am, we're not. And then she goes, plan on murdering me in my sleep. And he says... What? No. <laughs> In the most <laughs> guilty uh, way of saying it. Like they weren't saying any of that. I know. Uh, and then she just turns around and walks away. Oh my god, yes. And yeah, okay, so for what now you think that these people are going to kill you and you're just like pretty chill with it? But anyways, the next day Mark Wahlberg wakes up uh, Zoe Deschanel and Jess are kind of in this in the side house mm-hmm. that like where they're kind of catching frogs and it's like 
used to be like an old plantation so there's like a little speaking system and like the tubes so like that's kind of how they're communicating and like Mark Wahlberg kind of notices that he's alone in the house mm-hmm. uh, and he wanders into Mrs. Jones' room and sees a creepy doll on a bed and she just busts in there and is like, I knew you were trying to take something from me. And he's like, no, I wasn't. I just walked into your room. I'm sorry. And she's like, you have to leave right now. And she runs outside. And Mark Wahlberg's just like, no, Mrs. Jones, you don't understand. See, I'm a teacher. <laughs> but uh-oh. What, what's going on? She's outside and the wind is blowing. And, and she's all alone, but she stops She stops moving. And she just turns to Mark Wahlberg and starts walking. He's like, oh, no. Goes, slams the door, locks it, runs around, slams the door, locks it. You hear from the outside, there's just banging on the walls. And then you see her wandering around the house, just banging her head on different parts of the house. And again, in this slow pan across the house, you see her wandering and wandering and then all of a sudden, she gets in front of a window with Mark Wahlberg, and he's just like, Mrs. Jones? And she slams it. Smashes the window, glass flying everywhere, and then she walks over to this other window. S- repeat, smashes, goes all over the window. Well, she doesn't just like, smash her head in that one. She just flunks her entire body into the house at that point. And the wind's blowing, and Mark Wahlberg like, pushes like the door closed. He like, puts towels down so like the, no air can get through the cracks. And he's like, go into the basement. And he can hear uh, Zoe Deschanel and Jess playing in the other house, like through the through the piping system. And he's like, "Guys, close all your doors, close all the windows." And they're like, "What? It's happening!" Aye. Cheese and crackers, it's happening! Cheese and crackers, it's happening! They close everything up, but they're in two separate areas, and they can still talk to each other through the pipes. And so they just have this heart to heart, really. Um, Mark Wahlberg and uh, Zoe Deschanel. And it gets to the point where Mark is just like, you know what? If I'm going to die, I want to die with you guys. Wait, I want to do one thing first. Okay. They, during the story that they tell, that Mark Wahlberg tells, is like, hey, remember when I, our first date? And then she's like, that's when you got me the mood ring. Oh, it's coming back full Whoa. circle. And uh, What great writing. And then she she's like, your color was blue, right? That means you were calm. And she was like, she put it on. She's like, oh, purple means that you're in love. But actually, purple just means that you're horny. <laughs> we have jokes here. And Jess is just like, what does horny mean? <laughs> yeah, they're saying this in front of the kid. And then the eternal line, Zoe Deschanel just says, what color was love again? And Mark Wahlberg says, I don't remember. No. Oh, God, he doesn't remember what love is. No, Mark, how? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, he decides he, they, they don't want to be apart anymore, and they're going to risk everything and just go out in the wind and just go out in a blaze of glory. And sure enough, the three of them step out of their respective houses. They walk to the middle of the field. They take hands and they get ready. And what happens, Taylor? Nothing happens. What a twist. The twist is that it's over. Whatever event was happening is over. That's it. That's it. And we cut back to Philadelphia three months later. Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel are happy. Jess has moved in with them. Uh, Then find out Zoe Deschanel's pregnant. Oh, great. They love each other again, and it's all over, but there's some experts on TV being like, hey, 
why did this suddenly stop for no reason? Should we be expecting this to happen again? Uh oh. They're like, never. We should never expect this to happen again. Cut to France. Uh oh. And what's happening in France? These two men are just walking along, talking about their bicycle. And then all of a sudden, everyone stops. And he's like, my bicycle? My bicycle. And the wind blows. And we fade to black. Oh no! What does it mean? And that is the happening. Wow. What a movie that we got there. God. Damn. It's been so long since I watched this. Yeah. And I'm so happy to talk about it again. Me too. I first time talking about it here and uh we got some stuff to talk about. This was something. Taylor, what do you think about the happening? I cannot recommend this movie more. And I honestly cannot agree more. It's 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 beautiful. It's the thing about M. Night Shyamalan as a whole is that he opened with Sixth Sense, does amazing business, like got Oscar nominations. He makes Unbreakable, a solid follow-up. He makes Signs, kind of like his Steven Spielberg movie, the thing that everyone goes to see. He makes The Village. It's a drama, but like it seems like there's some secrets and mysteries. He makes so much money. Right. Then he makes Lady in the Water. Uh, people are less inclined to see that. They're like, ooh, we're not sure. And then you see the trailers for The Happening. It says from the director of The Sixth Sense and Signs, and it like looks like this intense drama where you just don't know what's happening. People are killing themselves out of nowhere. And this movie makes $30 million on its opening weekend. That is a lot of money. Yeah, back, what was this, 2007? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, or it might have been seven, but yeah, it was makes $30 million opening weekend, and that's like, that's like blockbuster money, but that's like, that's a, around what the remake of The Mummy made like last year. Like, movies that, people, well, movies that people put a lot of time and energy into marketing and to make like, put so much effort into. Right. People were interested in seeing this. Well, I remember when I was little, Taylor, I had my Mac computer and everything, and do you remember when you would have like the secret screens? Um, it would be like you press one of the buttons and there would be like the backboard would come up oh, and yeah. you could okay so I had one of those and one of them was like one of the apps I had was a trailer thing where you could click on it and see different trailers and I remember watching The Happening mm-hmm. and I was like oh it's M. Night Shyamalan like he's never made a bad movie like I could see this and yeah. stuff and I remember like following the hype and then I didn't hear anything about it and now all these years later I've heard more more stuff about it you know and it was one of those things that like it got like it got trashed in the reviews except from one which we may talk about later if you okay. want to uh, it got trashed in the reviews and like it got this huge opening weekend and it just died after that and like no one really talked about it because they were like this is a bad movie and then somehow like three-ish years later people started realizing this is a funny movie yeah. <laughs> if you watch The Happening as a comedy it's incredible yes it's 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 one of those that somehow got one of those cult followings because like people hate watch M Night Shyamalan movies because it's just kind of easy to right. This one is is different than something like The Village or Lady in the Water or even The Last Airbender. Well, because it's like it does have that weird comedic beats, and I think it could have been intentional at certain parts like after he's reviewing it a few times being like wow this really sucks Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna spin it in this way and purposely try and make it funny because it's just this you cannot have watched this seriously i feel like 
if you if you listen to the interviews that M Night Shyamalan did before the movie came out, uh-huh. he talks about it like it's kind of the next big like epic thing, like not like super epic, but he he like downplays it a little bit. He knows it's not like you know fantastic, but he thinks this is the movie that's going to tell people that global warming is happening. The plants are retaliating; they're coming <laughs> against us, and that's what's going to happen. And then after the reviews came out, he changed his mind a little bit and said. This was my send-up to B-movies of the 80s. The really cheesy ones. You know, the ones that made you go to the Cineplex and have a great time. And I'm like, no. This was not what you thought. You thought this was going to be amazing. You thought you were going to change the world with this. He, You know, I think I blame this movie for uh, people not taking global warming seriously. Yeah. Well, how this came out, like, what, two years after An Inconvenient Truth? Is it? I don't know. I don't really blame this movie, but... <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's... Ugh. I would watch this movie again, and I definitely see how you can make a whole podcast about it, because mm-hmm. after listening to all your podcasts and stuff, I've never, like... There's so much there to make fun of, because, you know, you hear the classics, of, the classics of the hot dog, the mood ring, the cheese and crackers, but you don't get, like, the opening scene of, like, what page am I on? Yeah. Or you don't hear about, like... I don't remember the tiramisu stuff ever coming up. Yeah, there's and there's like, like Josh and Jared just like being obnoxious kids. There's there are so many small details just to dig into that like work in this perfect alchemy of a, of a bad movie. Yeah, and like with Josh and Jared again too, when they're banging on the door, Jess and Zoe Deschanel are on a swing going yeah. back and forth, just being like, "Hey, yeah, we're just doing this." And Mark Wahlberg's like, "Stop." Well, Don't be too loud. And, and they stop what they're doing to say, what kind of tree is this? And they're like, I think it's a maple. Right? And it's like, no one's talked. We, we Who the fuck talks about that when talking about this movie? Like, And there's so much there. It's it's You guys got to watch it. You guys got to yeah. watch it. But this podcast isn't about uh, nitpicking the, the happening. This is about taking your favorite movies and improving them. Yes. So, so. Taylor... Um, as as the PhD on the happening, I'd love to dig into this body. What do you, what do you want to fix about this movie? What do you think needs hmm. improvement more than what it already is? Well, so now that we're in surgery, I guess the two things we need to talk about are tone. So, like, are we taking the serious approach to you know global warming and like you know like taking these plants are serious and trying to kill us? Or are we trying to live up more to the B movie side? I genuinely think there is no way to make this movie the epic that it wants to be simply because of the subject matter. Okay. There is 100% no way that you can make running away from the wind <laughs> and, like, having the plants be the villains. Like, you could... It, it's, it's more tension when you have, like, you know, a fake character like Poison Ivy, like, controlling the plants and being like, look at what you've done to them. Uh-huh. But it's so hard to do it in a quote-unquote realistic way because if it's more realistic, it feels that much more fake. Okay. So I think you got to take it in the more comedic direction. I think as perfect as this movie already is, Mm -hmm. I do think you need to ratchet up that cheese even more. Okay. I mean, what would you do? Um, I think there's a... Would you rather take it seriously? There's a way to do both. I think if we do the serious route, I think we need to make the overall, like, theme and 
idea or like the backing of this story more about like depression and suicide mm-hmm. like have that as a topic of like oh, oh it's all like oh yeah it's the toxins or whatever but really it's like an allegory for suicide and that's why people keep killing themselves it's because it's like a thing that feels like unexplained and like you can't really describe it but there's also you know there's, you can have the plant aspect and have the global warming yeah drive into it yeah the plot device for it so like I think I can't, like, you know, exactly tackle that right now, but I think that if we're doing the serious route, there's something there that we can talk about where maybe the more people that have don't talk about their problems are more willing to be affected by this. And then so when Jess, or not Jess, um, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel, like, they have this buildup of, like, oh, there's so much tension that we're not talking about. Mm-hmm. And so when they start talking about, that's why they don't get affected because they're talking about their problems and, like, interesting, blah, blah, blah. Not the best thing, <laughs> but at least it's something. Well, I think you could do something like that if you want to make it a, uh, a depression kind of, like, suicide tale where it's, like, if you have more... Uh, uh, endorphins and pheromones kind of like mm. coming off of you okay the, that's that's the repellent of the plants the plants are affecting uh lower levels of dopamine okay like that could be it is like the higher levels of dopamine the more like resistance you have to the plants so if like and then that's how they get you because the plants make you scared obviously so that you're not going to be as happy anymore and the dopamine is going to like lower in your body and they're going to be able to like kill you that way whereas if you you know are in you know in love with your partner or whatever and like you have like the open discussions like you have uh more of that and like if you have you know people that you're with that you're interested in like the pheromones come off you and like the dopamine rises and i feel like that could be another way if you want to make it like the 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 mental uh allegory i think that's that's how you like that's how you literalize it yeah no i i agree because if you're looking at this whole thing as a like a big thing we don't really have like a good couple in it because maybe the hot dog man and his wife (laughs) i think there's a way that we can see like when the sergeant is like i love my gun my gun is my friend like everyone like uh the hot dog man and his wife are like shit we're about to die like they're just like oh no it's happening to us but like they're saying still you know and maybe hot dog man really just needs to find his cheese to his cracker you know <laughs> and yeah something around yeah. that it's not like fully flesh but i think there is something to be toyed around there with yeah. if we make it more suicide i i agree i think if, we, if it is more serious then i would i would try and make almost the relationship between mark Wahlberg and zoe Deschanel stronger at the start mm-hmm. and then somewhere later on is where you hear that there may have been some kind of infidelity okay so that that like because you think it's perfect, and then that's kind of like the twi- like part of a twist where it's like, oh, maybe they're not as safe as we thought because you think that they just have to protect Jess. Okay. And protect, like, the kids that they're with. Because hmm. also, I don't like... I, I like all the side characters for the comedic aspect because it's just a rotating door of different people that show up in their life. Yeah. But I do think I would rather, for a more serious pick, to have, like, a core group. Like, just have a core group of supporting characters that is with them on their journey. Okay. And kind of like the... Uh, the, the horror movie method of doing things where like they could kind of get picked off one by one whereas like you know uh, I assume Hot Dog Man and his wife would get separated and then you know you think that they die but they're oh wow the, because they're a happy couple they actually survive or whatever okay uh, and, and then like you know the kid the kids get killed off and John Leguizamo at some point does it you know to heroically save his daughter well I think with John Leguizamo when he's saying like oh yeah like you know my wife is just trying to do this and that it's more like no she left me like 
today, mm-hmm. and that's why she isn't here, and blah, blah, blah. And maybe that's why he's so aggro against Zoe Deschanel, because he's like, yo, you, I see the same problems with you guys, and that's F you. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, why didn't they just do that? I don't know. Studio notes? <laughs> who, who, who do we have to blame more, M. Night Shyamalan or studio notes on this one? I think this is where the studio didn't realize that they should have noted M. Night Shyamalan. I feel like this is when studio notes would have helped a little bit. Yeah. Uh, true, but I I think in general we do need to develop John Leguizano more because at the thirty minute mark is when he leaves his kid to go find his wife, and yeah. wow, there is a he, lot that happens. He dies like, five minutes later. Yeah, so he's dead a third of the way through the movie. Right. It's you can't you don't get any sense of him either besides like hey yeah math and probabilities like blah blah blah. Maybe there's a way we can have him heroically sacrifice himself like. Oh, the probability of survival for this. I need to make sure that group of people doesn't go our way. I'm going to distract them. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, like, that's yeah. the only way I can see it being heroic. He's not like, wind, follow me. <laughs> well, yeah, cause, well, yeah, he sends the group off, and then, like, it probably one of those things where it's like, my wife left and I, I can never be happy again. Please just take care of my daughter and show her the life that I, you know, never could or whatever. And, you know, then you get your, your metaphor, and then he gets to save the, the people. But, like, doesn't that make him a dick for sort of... Yes, of course. Because that's the biggest thing also, is that he is leaving his kid with these pretty much strangers. Because, like, I, I, I get going to save your wife, but also there's no guarantee you're going to meet up again. This is an end-of-the-world scenario. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a hard choice, but you probably should stick with your kid. Right. It, absolutely. Like... I, could you imagine if he finds his wife and is like, we survived, blah, blah, and she's like, where's Chess? He's like, I just left her with some strangers. You know, I thought <laughs> we need to find you. And then she's just like, I never liked Mark Wahlberg and Sarah <laughs> a couple. Why did you leave her with them? You left him with another couple that's breaking apart that you know are cheating on each other? Like, what? John Linguizamo is just setting himself up for uh, failure at this point. Yeah. Uh, what other kind of things on, on, like, the serious track would you go with? Um, what do you think of the character Joey, the one that... Jess, or sorry, I keep calling her Jess because a new girl. Uh, Zoe Deschanel. Joey is, sorry. What do you think of Zoe Deschanel's, like, ex sort of lover, Joey? Like, how, is there a way we can I, involve him in it? Maybe. I'm, I'm not a, I'm honestly not a big fan of the, the, the cheating plot. Uh-huh. It just kind of feels like it distracts from the story that it seems like they're trying to tell about, you know about the plants and trying to kill, you know, the environment and everything. And then off to the side, there's this thing where it's like, by the way, we're not having a great marriage. I feel like they're, like, unrelated. So if there is something like that, it would be better if Joey was, like, even, like part of the crew yeah. like, that is going with them. And it's like, even, even because I don't know if I want her to fully cheat on him. And, like, then they kind of have to work through that. Or if it's like they had a thing in the past and Joey, like, hasn't let go, and then, you know, they met up one time for coffee, and it was like, are the feelings still there? Okay, I like that a bit more. I, I, I like that they're, like, ex-lovers more than new lovers. Yeah. Or <laughs> new daters, whatever. But if we if we do have her cheat on Mark Wahlberg, you know, she's completely unlikable now. And I'm sh- I have a feeling that she originally did cheat on him in the original script, and they were, like, studio notes were, like, She's an asshole. We can't root for her. <laughs> Make it about tiramisu. Yeah. Because it, it is just her by herself on the phone talking about, we only got tiramisu and blah, 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 right? Like, it's never, 
that feels like it could have been easily a reshoot. Yeah. But I think bringing Joey into the mix is, it gives him more, you know, there's more going on. And I do like ex-lovers. Is Joey also played by M. Night Shyamalan in this version? Of course. Okay, just yes, it sure. has to be, man. He's got to show up. But now he's like, you know how, um, have you watched the new season of Always Sunny? I've seen part of it. Okay, so you know how Mac is really jacked now? So it's M.I. Shyamalan, just really jacked. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark Wahlberg feels like inferior or something. So That's it's actually just really funny. Buff, buff M. Night Shyamalan. Um, Except, you know, and he really outruns the wind. That's how he survives. He actually is able to just run faster than the wind. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, I, went, I, I almost went to the uh, Olympics in 2004, but, you know, um, my girlfriend at the time, Jess, or uh, not Jess, fuck. So they know. And he's like, what? Zoe <laughs> Chanel? That's my wife. Yeah. My but wife. Also, he runs so fast, he runs on the water all the way to France, just in time for the second happening. Oh, snap. Okay, but on a serious note, yes. Joey, what, what's his background? Is he, uh, like, the principal of the uh, mm. school? Or, like, is he... I, I don't know. I don't know if I want him to be, like, a co-worker okay. with them. I think it would be interesting if they were from, like, two different worlds. Because if it was, like... Oh, by the way, every just the only people at the in this story are just are teachers at the school and his wife, mm-hmm. and then like you know a few coincidences. I think it would be interesting if Joey, uh, if Je- if not Jess, fuck, I'm doing it too. If Zoe Deschanel told Joey, look, I'm getting on the train, like you know this train here. I'm gonna get out of town soon. He's like, oh, I'll meet you there, and I'll like go with you. And she's like, no, don't meet me here. And sure enough, he shows up and he's on the train with them. And so he's kind of, like, following around because he doesn't have anyone to be with. Okay. I think that should be Joey's story is kind of, like, why he's so attached to Zoe Deschanel. He doesn't have a family. And, like, he kind of... She's been the only one that, like, was there for him at the beginning. Okay. Like, you know, when they were together. I like that. How, how does Joey's story end? Uh, Joey's story ends... Uh, it depends. Do you want him to be an asshole or do you want him to be kind of, like misunderstood and just doing the wrong thing, but he's not a bad guy. Mm, are they going on dates still? Uh, no, I think that they they ha- they dated before she got married to Mark Wahlberg, and then they met up once or twice, like, quote-unquote, as friends. But Joey, at that meeting, like was like, hey, we should talk about these feelings that we clearly have for each other, and, like, there is, there's unresolved tension on, like, whether they still have feelings for each other. Uh, I don't think we can like him. I, don't, I think we can't root for him. We need to root for Mark Wahlberg only. Mm-hmm. So, not that he's an asshole, but maybe he's maybe he's an asshole. Because what if he, like, makes it to the end with Mrs. Jones? And because Mrs. Jones clearly had to have done something, has to do something crazier in this movie. Yes. What if, like, he accidentally he insults Mrs. Jones and she, like, she kills him, like, out in the fields? And then the plants uh, infect her because okay. of that. Because now that her, you know, her resistance to she was able to resist it because she was so happy being by herself and doing her own thing. But then when she, you know, went crazy and killed Joey, she gets infected and is like, "Uh oh, I guess I got to kill myself now." Okay. So yeah. I, do, I do think, uh, kind of like, like in a, that that'd be almost one of the twists is that Joey actually doesn't get killed by the wind or like doesn't get to redeem himself. He just is a casualty and his death is like what makes Mrs. Jones go crazy and leads her to like smashing the windows and endangering Mark Wahlberg and stuff. So Joey still gets one tiny little final act of, uh, of being a dick, even if it's not his fault. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I like this little storyline for Joey. It's, Cause I think Joey doesn't need to have a lot. He just needs to have a, a, you know, 
a couple scenes here and there throughout the throughout the movie, and then he just gets super offed. Okay. 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 So, do you, a new thing now? The twist at the end is that it really is the plants. Is there a way we can change this up? I think it should still be the plants, but I don't think it should be over. Okay. Uh, I think the 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 twist is that the, they figure out how to resist the plants, and they like you know have trained you know at this point kind of trained their brains to be like we can handle the plants, and they're like it's this world where the plants have taken over, and like only the select few can survive, and they have to like be in this world where they have figured out you, you know either how to be uh, happy or how to coexist with the plants and be like we're sorry plants and uh, all that fun jazz either either they either they solve the problem and they stop global warming you know over time of course uh-huh. or they f- completely ignore that and they're just like we need to pretend to be happy or like whatever and like raise our dopamine levels and just ignore the problems of of global warming uh- that, that'd be a darker ending <laughs> but like I don't know. That, that's the way that I can see it working because it it really doesn't work as a movie if it just stops. No. Yeah, no. It, you definitely just need a you need a better twist. And so, spoilers for um, Split and Glass, I guess, coming well, out this week. We haven't seen Glass yet, but no. maybe. Um, you know how the big twist for Split was that it was connected to the Unbreakable universe. Mm-hmm. So, plot twist: this movie. Is just a prequel to Children of the Corn. Uh, <laughs> An unrelated property. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's just like, oh, we have to replay, we have to pray to the corn people now. Not really. We're not doing that. Um, but think about it. <laughs> is there a way to have it like actually be like? Oh shit! No, like uh, this was our big uh, anti-green corporation guy who's like, we need to kill the environment. Or is that the big thing? Or now, like uh, no. Coca-Cola is like, kill the environment more to save yourself. And no, because it's been the most of it's been about the individual. Uh-huh. So I think it should it should stick down to that and just kind of be about uh, the Mark Wahlberg and like whoever survives from that crew changing their own personal ways in order to like survive in this world. Because I, you know, it's a very it's a fern gully kind of thing where it's like the corporation is destroying the environment. <laughs> Sorry, did I say fern gully? I meant Avatar. <laughs> Sorry, did I say Avatar? I meant uh, some other environmental movie. Oh man, yeah. I think the way we should end this movie too is not like having going to France and being like, oh whoa, it's happening again. It should be, you know, after Zoe De Chanel finds out she's pregnant and she goes down and sees Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And he sort of just has like a blank stare on his face. I think it should just end with Mark Wahlberg like walking uh, towards her. Or something like that, yeah, you know? Fun. I like Because then it's more like, oh like he has no reaction to it. Like she's clearly happy and then he's but just like fair, blank stare. He's had no reaction this whole movie. That is true. <laughs> that is very true. But no, that's actually a good. That, that'd be a good twist. Is like, if 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 we do it my way, where it's like, oh, we figured out how to survive in this world, and then he just walks forward and like, oh, he didn't he didn't figure out how to survive in this world. That's the twist. Yeah, because like she has all this dopamine going right now. She, she just found baby. out she's pregnant, and then that could be you know sort of the darker thing because it's like, oh, Mark. Not that Mark Mark Wahlberg could be like killing himself and killing Jess. Fuck Zoe Deschanel at the same time. So it's like, oh no, if he kills her, then he's killing the baby too. Ah, yeah, it's so dark. Well, because that one could then be like the toxins evolved, so that he's like killing other people too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
okay. Yeah, no, I originally thought that's where the movie was going to end, and I was like, oh, all right, yeah, that wasn't bad. And then I was like, oh, no, we're no. going to France. <laughs> we're going to France. Oh, man. But uh, any other parts of this of making it a serious movie you want to fix? Um, I think we need to just, like, stick with the characters more, what you were saying, like, not just have these random people pop up for random 10 to 15 minutes, mm-hmm. kill them off, or, like, have them run away, because there's no flow to it. It's yeah. always just like, oh, who's this? Who's this? Oh, this is the mood ring. Oh, this is another thing about my mood ring. Because I think it could be interesting if it was, like, a miniseries instead of you were going to do something like that. Okay. Because if you did, like, you know... 10 episodes and you had a revolving door of characters and some of them stick throughout the whole thing and some, you know, show up in episode one and die in episode three or, like, show up in episode two and then die in episode, like, nine or something. Like, you, you figure out a way to, like, do that. If he was going to stick with the formula that he has now for doing this, I think that's the method of doing it. Instead of in a movie that's 90 minutes long, mm-hmm. you don't really get enough time to get to know people to, like, care if you kill them off. So, it's like The Walking Dead, but with Plants. Air. Yes. Air plants, yeah. Exactly. I would love to see the title opening crawls for that. It's like, no, 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 no. It's just the plants moving back and forth. Yes. And the doors opening because of the wind. <laughs> it's basically what the opening of this movie is with just the clouds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, is there anything else you would want to tackle in the serious plot realm? Not really. I just don't know if I want to change anything to make it too much sillier because it really is yeah, that's the, kind of perfect. Exactly. That's With all of it, it's like it's not trying to be funny, but it is. It's just like The Room. Um, Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Yeah. And it, it, the things that are the funniest are the dramas that end up being comedies. Yeah. Because, like, it's it's almost like this movie wasn't made to be a comedy, but it's almost paced like a perfect, like, there are comedic beats mm-hmm. and there are pauses for laughter and there are, like, awkward moments and, like, things that don't make sense but for, like, a, a fun comedic reason and, like... But there's so many other side things that happen that clearly show that this was not meant to be a comedy. Oh, no, no. I, I feel like in post-production, he was just like, oof. I feel like he realized it out right before, like maybe two or three months, and he was like, we're, we're just going to elongate these pauses for laughter, and, you know, I, I can't... I guess it's... I sort of... I understand... M. Night Shyamalan more than Tommy Wiseau where like Tommy Wiseau I know he was trying to make a serious movie but M. Night Shyamalan has made good movies before where I feel like he should have that intuition like oh wow this is like not going off the way I thought it is but he was just coming off Lady in the Water so maybe not well he there's the that's the thing about M. Night Shyamalan is if you listen to the dialogue in The Sixth Sense it does sound similar to the happening but the way that he does it works better in that movie because he he's an auteur he's got a style he's got his thing and that's how he does his movies mm-hmm. and that's just who who he is and what he's got just at some for some reason he like certain ways that he speaks and like makes people talk works in certain methods and works in different ways because it is really stilted and kind of forced in the sixth sense right but there's a way he makes the characters uh, more accessible and you care more about their struggles in the beginning and kind of see what happens with them. Because, like, the awkward stuff with Sixth Sense, like, at the, the first scene where uh, Donnie Wahlberg, weird that that's the connection, <laughs> Donnie Wahlberg shows up and, like, he's, like, in his underwear and is, like, shivering and, like, and Bruce Willis is trying to, like, calm him down. Like, that could also easily have been very funny. Yeah, I, I guess. Like, it's, it's a ridiculous thing. Uh, 
it, but it but it works because of the situation that they set up for them in that first couple scenes and kind of like where you want to see the movie go. You don't know anything about any of the characters. You don't care about where they're going, and then all the silly stuff happens, and it just keeps getting sillier from there in this movie. True. Hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good that's a good surgery on that. Yeah. No, oh, I, I agree. We uh, tackled a lot, and I think uh, this guy came out better. You know, he's yeah. gonna have to. He did, this this movie's got really bad insurance, so he's gonna be <laughs> paying it over a lot. But you know, we did our okay. best with the surgery. But yeah, uh, I feel like we've been running long, but I do have a few like you know some some fun facts that I feel like we should share. Go ahead. Uh, Roger Ebert, the like one of my my favorite film reviewer, and he is so. Like, well, he was so well attuned with movies and like knew everything. He gave this movie three out of four stars. Okay. And he called it a, a not a quiet masterpiece, but like a quiet, well done movie that the horror is really within the characters <laughs> that is expressed outwardly. And I, I can't believe that M Night Shyamalan fooled Roger Ebert because it, it was taken seriously. He was talking about it as if it was a real horror movie, a real movie to take seriously. And I don't get that. How old was Roger Ebert at this time? This was ten years ago. Was so he, he with like, uh, Roper? At the, was it uh, Roper? I think this was just after they ended their show. Okay. Like I think this was when his when his medical problems were like just getting into the okay. heat of like that like when they were bad. But I can't say for sure. I don't okay. know the timeline specifically. But it, he gave it three stars, and that's very weird to me. Hmm. M. Night Shyamalan might have some dirt on Roger Ebert. Um, well, Lady in the Water got like one and a half stars, so. Um, and do you know why Mark Wahlberg took this part in the movie? No idea. Why did he take it? Mark Wahlberg said he was tired of playing gangsters and cops and action movie guys, and he was like, I just wanted to play a teacher. I just wanted to be a normal dude for once. <laughs> And that was his reasoning for being in the movie. Wow. He, ju- he wanted to, like, try and uh, shed his, like, tough guy persona. And he definitely did. Oh, did he, he? He sounds like a confused mess in this movie. That is 100% true. Um, yeah. Damn. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, I have that problem, too, of being known for being too rough around the edges. and oh, too Too gangsta, you know. I also <laughs> want to know... <laughs> what about this movie made Nickelodeon look at M. Night Shyamalan and say, you should adapt Avatar The Last Airbender? Because this was the movie that he made right before making The Last Airbender. Was that before he was signed on? Or? It was before he was signed on. I think it was right after the movie came out he got signed on. I'm not 100% certain on that. They were probably like, wow, we can get M. Night Shyamalan for the cheap. Because it was on the, I was on the decline. He, was, he, was, he had had The Village, Lady in the Water, and then The Happening, which was 2008. Last Airbender came out in 2010. So, like, 2008 is, like, right when he, like, signed on and, like, started writing the script and doing stuff for that. I just want to know, like, what about those three movies, his most recent movies, made them think that he could do it? I I really think it's just that I could get him on the cheap. It was just like, yeah, you suck and you can bounce. But we have this awesome material right here. There's no way you could fuck this up, M. Night. And it's like, try and fuck it up. What's that? His name's Ong? What's that? Firebenders have to use other fire to... Fuck. (laughs) What have we done? Uh, yeah. Also, did you notice that Jess, in the very last scene when she's on her way to school, is wearing an Avatar The Last Airbender backpack? I did not know that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Yep. So, uh, anyway, 
Are you looking forward to Glass this weekend? Uh, I'm very interested. You know, M. Night has definitely bounced back from the dark times, you mm-hmm. know, whatever happened to him. And he, He's made some of my favorite movies. Like, yeah? If, despite, despite The Village and The Happening, he's made The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and The Visit. Three of my favorite movies. But he's also made three of my least favorite movies, The Last Airbender, After Earth, and The Village. Oof. So, I... I don't... I don't know how to feel about him or how to feel about going into Glass, because I don't want to go in hoping that it's going to be good. I think... I think it's going to be like Split. I really like Split. I don't don't expect a twist ending because I think that's what he gets really in his head about. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I'm known for this being the twist guy and he'd always have a twist. Yeah. And now people are so like, oh, let me try and figure out the twist before. And that's part of the problem. Like, no one was calling that glass or that Split was going to be involved with the Unbreakable, Unbreakable universe. No, like, that, that was... And honestly, they kind of should have because the, the posters look the exact same. They have very similar aesthetics, like, and there are parts of the movie where you actually can see like uh, homages to, or like very direct links to Unbreakable, and it's the thing that surprised everybody. Yeah, no. Like the people I went to the theater with, and we saw that they just like stayed because they didn't like Split, mm. and at the very end when they just saw Bruce Willis show up, they're like, "Is this a fucking Unbreakable sequel? <laughs> are you serious?" <laughs> oh man. That's funny. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a 70 to 75% movie from Split, or from a Glass. Like, nothing amazing, but yeah. something I'm going to enjoy sitting down and watching. No, I, I, hope, I hope it's really good. I hope they, 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 they play up both the, the drama, the horror, and the superhero aspect of it, because it seems like that's what they're going for. Yeah, um, and it's I, a very relevant time to talk about that stuff. The thing is, I'm, I'm worried that he's going to try and do another... Uh, connect this movie to one of his other movies twists. What do you think he's going to connect it to? The Sixth Sense. I'm very worried that at the very end, Haley Joel Osment's going to show up, and he's actually—it's not a thing where he's special. He has a superpower, and his superpower is talking to dead people. And I'm—I'm I'm very worried that that's what's going to happen because I think he—I—I I think he's going to do that. I think he's going to connect this movie to one of his other ones. Uh, okay. If he doesn't, then that's fine, and I'm cool with it. I feel like that should be, like, a Reddit fan theory, you know? Like, oh, here's how you can connect this and that. Like, I don't know if I'm really down for the M. Night universe. No, I don't like, want it. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm saying I think it's going to happen, yeah. I don't oh, want I, it to happen. Yeah, I'm not, I, I get oh. you on that. And I don't I don't think I'm as open to that either, but if he does it well, you know, Stranger Things have happened. It connects to Stranger Things. That's what's going to happen. Sure. Sure. Do it. Get it on the Duffer Brothers. Yep. Okay. Well. Yeah. Ooh, I'm exhausted. Yeah, no, this one was an interesting, long, fun one. Hope you guys enjoyed what was happening on this. Ayo. And if you want to continue to see what's happening on our end, make sure to follow us on Twitter at DR Script Podcast, just Dr. Script Podcast. Like us on Facebook, just Dr. Script. Follow us on Instagram, Dr. Script. Uh, yeah, that's where you're going to get the latest and greatest from us. Yeah, and make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And please try to leave us a five-star review or whatever star review. We'll allow uh, critiques. Yeah, you know, nothing uh, too bad. And if you can, write, write up a little review because it, we really like having feedback. 
it's good it's good to hear from people personally um, and yeah and if you if you want to see the return of what's happening <laughs> leave a, leave a comment or something yeah no like, uh, go check that out guys I think you'll have a fun little time with Sam and uh, some of the crew that he's got at Two Lemon uh, the good guys over there fun mm-hmm. fun stuff they make so go check it out fun times but yeah. Uh, thank you for indulging me in this wonderful film, Taylor. Oh, yeah. Dude, this was a ride. This was a good, happy ride. Uh, I, I, this was fun. This was a lot. Of, I, first five minutes, I texted you. I was like, oh, man, we got something here. Yes, this is something special, and I'm glad we could share it with all of you at home. Uh, have a have a Shyamalani twisty night. Yes, right back at you guys. And uh, make sure to be here next week. We're going to be doing something a little different, but I think you'll like it. Um, it's going to open to lighter doors and you'll have the right keys to listen if you just open your heart to having different things the kingdom of our minds will <laughs> will truly open for you uh we're trying something different well i think you'll enjoy it all right all right bye see you guys